Welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, BK, and alongside me this week, uh, we have Wick Terrell. Wick, how are you? I am good, guys. I'm looking forward to chatting baseball again. Yeah, for sure. And uh, our, our special guest this week from uh, the Better Off Red blog on uh, MLB, MLBblogs.com, uh, it's Jamie Ramsey. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. It's uh, I really appreciate you guys asking me to come on. I think very highly yeah. of you guys and Red Reporter, and I'm just thrilled to be here. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we appreciate it. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, we absolutely appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we've we've been uh, you know talking for a while about doing this, and uh, you know, seeing you at various meetups and different different events around around the the Reds blogosphere. But uh, it's good that we've uh, been able to kind of get together and uh, and figure this out. So uh, yeah. So and and you work in the media relations department, so just kind of. Uh, for, for our listeners that aren't kind of familiar with what you do kind of day to day, can you just give us like the elevator pitch of that just real quick? Well, right out of the shoot, I'm going to come in hot and send one to you. Um, <laughs> controversial. I'm kind of like the friendlier Sean Spicer. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Coming in hot guys. <laughs> I, oh, I, uh, I am like, uh, <laughs> So I am the uh, I'm a media relations which work in the media relations department, which means I kind of handle, uh, along with my boss Rob Butcher, who is the vice president of media relations. My colleague Larry Herms and I are the directors of media relations, and we're kind of like the I, like I guess the official spokespeople of the Reds. We uh, you know we we organize uh, the message that comes out to the media from our organization. We serve as the liaison between our players and the media, uh, radio, television, and uh, of course, print and uh, online stuff. So uh, I've been doing that with uh, the two guys, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Larry and Rob for what's going on, what, 15, 16 years. So it's, uh, it's been quite a ride. Yeah, for sure. And so in this time of year, you know, obviously, you know, there's not, you know, games in Cincinnati going on right now. So you kind of take the lead on um, the Reds media guide and putting all that together. Just kind of talk about yeah. how that how that comes about. Yeah, we uh, for those of you guys listening out there that aren't aware that uh, we do actually do some work in the off season. I, you know, I won't get a lot of <laughs> asked, so what do you do when they're not playing baseball? Well, you know, we are full time employees, so we do have to make ourselves busy. One of the things that we do and each of the 30 teams do in Major League Baseball and really in all, every team in all the major sports put together something called a media guide, which is a, a team reference guide for the upcoming season. Um, and basically what it is is a, is a reference book. Um, it's also available online at reds.com. Uh, it's, it's written uh, with the media in mind. So what it contains is bios of – all of the all of our regular players, all of our minor league players, and all the players that we invite to Major League Spring Training Camp as well. It has stats, it has history, all the Reds, Reds records, uh, opponents information, anything that relates to the Reds, especially for the upcoming season. Uh, it'll be in the media guide, and it's uh, approximately oh, I don't know, 350 pages of stuff. So it's quite an undertaking, and it takes up a, a majority of our off season. 
Yeah, I've got I've got a couple of them uh, here here at home. So I've yeah just had the been able to flip through them in the past, and it's like there's so much in there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a pretty big undertaking, I'm sure. Yeah, you know what, BK, I'm surprised. Like from the some of the folks that I talk to, the the diehard fans that aren't mm-hmm. familiar with the media guide, I think that would be like to me anyway, almost kind of like a a Bible for the diehard fan. And I know yeah, you guys, yeah. you guys have them. So it's, it kind of surprises me that the folks that aren't aware of the media guide, almost more so than those that don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, yeah, go ahead. Rick. I was going to say, absolutely. I mean, we, we've just now started digging in. I think we actually published our first one today of our, our red reports, which is, Kind of the, uh, the the dumbed down, have a few laughs version of, of the official Reds <laughs> official Reds media guide. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but but one thing specifically I was going to ask you about is that you know obviously from 2009 to 2014 ish or so, uh, we had a little bit of a difficult time for good reasons, I guess, uh, coming up with new stuff every single year because the core of the team was so. Uh, rock solid. It was the same yeah. guys. You, you knew the lineup. You knew the pitching staff. Um, how's it been the last two years for you specifically going through that with such turnover on the roster and so many new faces coming in? Has it been uh, significantly different? Uh, kind of you know pulling all that information and making sure everything's fresh uh, as compared to years past. Well, uh, to be honest, when the team is um, that's a good question, by the way. But when the team is so, uh, like you said, rock solid. It makes our job easier, actually. Um, right. I'll be a little more boring, but um, it, it, it makes it easier because, you, like you said, you know the guys, you're familiar with them, you have your bios written, all you have to do is add the, uh, the most recent season and the most recent stat line. Um, but when it's new, like the last couple years, it's kind of been exciting. Uh, it's a little more work, but it's also been exciting just to – because you have to get to know these guys, whether on paper or personally, or in our case, both, you know, so um, right. it's been exciting for mm-hmm. us. I, en- I really enjoy um, writing them. The, I'm, I'm in charge of the uh, minor league section of the Reds media guide. So when we get a guy like Nick Senzel, who will have a, you know, a 10 inch bio, that's exciting to me because I like having that challenge of finding stuff. And I, I have to use all my resources to find uh, everything about about like Nick Senzel to use him as an example. Uh, the 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 worst part, not the worst part, but the kind of boring part for me is when we sign. Um, you know, all the Latin players don't go through the uh, the, the domestic draft. So when we mm-hmm. sign up, when we sign a Latin player, it's really really difficult to find information on those guys because. You know, they didn't go to college in the in the states or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So it's, it's that's basically just a, a those bios tend to be a, a bats both or a, a bats throws height weight age uh, yeah, and nothing yeah. more. But like the guys in the states, like I mentioned, like a Nick Senzel, those are fun bios to write. Yeah, I, I think I remember the last time when we had our, our meetup in September, we were kind of throwing questions at you know you guys and some of the front office guys and i remember asking about guys like alfredo rodriguez and (laughs) vladimir gutierrez which you know those are those are guys that uh the red sign from cuba to where Mm -hmm. there's not really any information about them when they get signed except you know they get signing bonus and maybe you know cuban league stats which you know we don't really there's not really anything we can do with those Right, and uh, to be honest, we get those same stats. It's right. 
you're not getting any more information than what I am as far as <laughs> that goes. I have to go, you know, if I do want to write a complete bio or whatever, I have to dig for information online just like everybody else. But I also have the, uh, the, the luxury of being able to ask a guy like Nick, Nick Crawl or Jeff Grappi in our baseball ops department, like, what's with this guy? Right. Right. Like you said, though, at, at the same time, there's really not much out there on those guys. Yeah, there's no established high school program whose who's coach you've <laughs> talked to four times before who can call and, and give you a player comp from somebody that you've seen play in the big leagues before also because there's just exactly. not, not that line <laughs> yeah. of communication. And right. I, I actually – there was a – specifically on that, there was a, a quote, I guess, from Brian Price today that I think Mark Sheldon had um, – it was relaying something that Dilson Herrera uh, had said about his shoulder and how he's coming along and progressing from that. And and it was a quote from Price talking about how, how great Herrera is in the clubhouse and how energetic he is and how much he wants to be out there every single day. And it's, you know, it's for me on Herrera specifically, obviously, since he didn't even come up through the system after being signed. Uh, that's one of those cool little tidbits that, you know, almost seems like a throw in if you're looking for some juicy bit of information. But for a new guy who's young, uh, hearing Brian Price I say something like that it finally gives like the first personality insight into a player that you know uh up until this point since he hasn't you know played with the reds since he came over in the jay bruce deal he's just been height weight you know triple a numbers and and then 22 years old so yeah that kind of thing has always been so cool to finally uh get a chance to see relayed to us yeah no doubt yeah have you heard much about herrera so far i mean just kind of staying on him i know because yeah, we heard those quotes from uh, Price today, and uh, yeah, have you have you had a chance to uh, talk to anybody about him and to see what what the team thinks of him so far? Yeah, yeah, and you know I've talked to some folks in, in in our organization, and they're obviously very high on him. You don't you know you don't trade Jay Bruce just for you know a bag of baseballs, <laughs> right? Right, right. And, hey, let's not forget like a few things about this guy. He was the heir apparent. He was deemed the heir apparent to. Uh, Daniel Murphy. So there is something to this guy that, you know, people a lot smarter than I am. um, (laughs) And and he's he's just, uh, he's going to turn 23 in a few days. He's 23 years old. He's going to be 23 years old and he's uh, played in parts of two big league seasons. That's a, that's a, that's a huge plus. I think that sometimes that goes overlooked um, Mm. just for the experience level and the fact that, at 23, um, I think he he's been playing. He was playing in the Mets system at 17. Um, so the guy has. Ta- I mean, he's clearly got talent. He's. Mm-hmm. I think he's got over 560 minor league games, and he's only. He's not even 23 yet. So that's that, that's amazing. And if you look at his slash line uh, in, in the minor leagues, he's he's hitting nearly 300 uh, with a. 360 or so on base and uh, 460 or 470 uh, slugging percentage. So the, yeah. guy is, the guy is pretty good. And, yeah, I think that's uh, that's that, you brought up a something with him like that. I think a lot of people forget about is just how young him and guys like you know Peraza and guys like the guys that the Reds have been targeting right. in these trades are so young. Like you know Herrera, if you look at his you know, big league stats from when he made his debut with the Mets, they're not really much, but right. remember he was 20 years old when he made his debut. Right. So. And it's a very yeah. small sample. His, his major league yeah, numbers are such a small sample. Size. Yeah. Right. He's, I mean, he's still, still so far, far advanced from, you know, a kid that you would see, you know, in a ball at this 
at this rate, you know. So yeah, and to also kind of give your listeners an idea, when you're 23 years old, um, a lot of guys are just getting into uh, advanced A, maybe double A. So this as this goes to show you right. that this guy has tools. He's got the skill level. He's got the ability to be in the major leagues at 20 years old uh, and playing in a middle infield uh, a position that a lot of people think that are is a dime a dozen. But he's obvious, and he played in New York too. And I think that also you have to you have to take that into consideration for a young kid um, from Colombia um, coming into a, a, a foreign land. Which is the United States for him, and and mm-hmm. you know making it up and playing in the biggest city in the world. So I, I think for those people that are, and I think the his shoulder issues are. I think that's a very fair concern for some some folks. I know Doug Gray wrote something the other day about that, and yeah. I think that's fair, entirely fair to be concerned about that. He's had some shoulder issues the past couple seasons, but. Again, I'm going to uh, I'm going to cite his uh, his career minor league numbers and his age, and uh, the fact that he's probably going to have a, a more of an opportunity than he ever has uh, in his career this year. Yeah, and I mean his his shoulder issues. Yeah, for sure, that's something that's going to get a lot of the uh, uh, the eyes and the ears of people like us at this time of year, just purely because we haven't had that chance to to see him put on that red uniform yet. And so it's kind of the one one glaring thing that we can kind of latch onto and go with. But the reality is, you know, he was traded for Jay Bruce, who had had knee issues and broken a wrist, and Brandon Phillips got traded away so Herrera could get playing time. And Phillips has obviously had. His share of you know wrist and arm and, and elbow injuries too. I mean, when when you play as much baseball as these guys do, yeah. there're going to be injuries. There's going to be pain. There's going to be those kind of things, which is just part of the whole process. So I, I think it, it it catches a lot of attention this time of year. Uh, but fortunately, knock on wood, it doesn't seem like it's something that's going to be endemic. It just happens to be the one bit of news that we've been able to associate with him so far. But uh, obviously, he's been able to step in the batter's box, and at least his his early returns so far this spring have been good. Yeah, and if I can add something else to that too, it, mm-hmm. this kid is being, you know, I think also when you, you when it's easy to kind of sit back and, and openly wonder about these injuries, and you know, I, like I said before, that's it's fair to do that. However, you also have to remember that these guys are being looked after by the most world class medical folks in the entire world, Major League Baseball, including the Reds have some of the best medical staffs um, and medical folks, uh, you know, looking after them and uh, making the right decisions based on their health. So he's in good hands. And I can assure you that, you know, if it's a lingering problem, um, it's going to prevent him to play baseball. It will be taken care of um, and there shouldn't be uh, any worry uh, in that regard. Right on. And it's also, I mean, it, it, it fits perfectly with, where the Reds are and where Herrera is right now too, because he's not in a position where he needs to get pushed. Um, you know, the, and the Reds aren't in a position where they have to push him either. So uh, I feel like the the patience level is such at this point where that kind of gets overlooked in the whole process as well, because people want to just get him out there and see him play. When in reality, there's there's it's it's silly to try to do anything yeah. uh, aggressive at this point, because just let him be yeah. himself and get healthy and, and show what we can do. And Absolutely. I, yeah, I think that that's that's something that just as as a fan it's it's been interesting you know the last year or two just to 
to kind of, as the Reds have been acquiring these players in trades, you kind of look at them differently than if they're players that, you know, you've, you've watched the Reds draft and bring up and, you know, go through Dayton and hear about them, you know, throughout the process. Like, you know, a guy like, I remember last year, you know, thinking about watching Jose Peraza and being like, well, okay, well, I'm not sure what to expect yet. And let's, you know, I just want to, I just want to see him wear the Reds uniform and just to, to kind of get that sense yeah. of what he can do to right. where, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to kind of get that perspective. And as the Reds keep on acquiring these guys, I think we, we are kind of learning how to watch a rebuilding team again, oddly enough. Yeah. And a while. <laughs> that's a, that's a great point because we do that, – that's a fact. We do as fans uh, look at players differently when they come over from a different team as opposed to uh, growing up through the system in more ways than one. For example, last year – do you guys remember last year this time everybody was clamoring for Cody Reed uh, to make this team? And yeah. then now he, he, it almost seems like he's the you know he's the redheaded stepchild, to, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, and nobody is really talking to him, but that's another guy that, you know, you'd be really um, making a very bad decision to give up on a, a guy like that this early based on, you know, a, and uh, what I think is a, a much needed growing pain season for, for not only him, but a guy like Robert Stevenson as well. Yeah. Yeah. For well, sure. he looked, he, he looked good today uh, from all accounts. So that's, that's a, he pitched in uh, today's game as we're recording his uh, first appearance of the season. So hopefully two innings, six up, six down, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's that another works. guy that he, he's going to turn 24 in April. So, I mean, again, right. <laughs> right. You don't really realize, but yeah, he, he, you know, yeah, he's way younger than, you know, a finished product would be at this point. Yeah. You can't it's, expect these guys just because they're, you know, highly talented and appear on, uh, you know, in baseball America with a single digit next to their name that, that they're going to come in and be at Randy Johnson on an athlete. That's just not how it works. Not at, not in, not in baseball, maybe in football or, or basketball, but not in our Greek. Yeah. It's, it's also been really interesting to see all these guys come in because there's not really been, I guess, I guess with Reed, it might be the one clear indication or, or clear example uh, of a guy being traded, you know, specifically for his quote unquote replacement. Um, Cause mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you lose Johnny Cueto, you lose the top mm-hmm. of your rotation, you get Finnick and Lamb and, and Reed and you actually get the pitchers that are technically going to replace him. But there's so much of the other shuffling that's gone on in this roster. It's been bringing in, you know, the best targeted, talented pieces that the front office could get for those players. But it hasn't been a one for one replacement. You know, you you, right. you trade you trade Bruce for a middle infielder, you trade Frazier for a middle infielder, you uh, trade Mike Leak for your future corner outfielder. And uh it's 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 interesting to see how that all kind of fits in, especially since it wasn't, you know, a first year fit back in. Uh right. it's you know, kind of taken a year or two for those to all kind of trickle together. Um right. and so I think it's it's built anticipation for sure, at least on you know, on our nerdy into the world um but it's finally finally fun because this particular season looks like it's all set up to actually see these guys uh on the cusp of making not just you know uh their initial contributions but actually being the backbone of the future team uh well i couldn't have said it any better it's uh i'm excited guys and i you know it's i'm not just saying that because you know my uh 
office is at the ballpark and I get paid for it. I get paid <laughs> by the Reds, but I'm as a fan, I'm I'm really excited. And I think this I think last year was kind of the unofficial start, but I think this year is the official start of this of this I don't want to say rebuild, but this new era, if you will, of uh, right. baseball. Yeah, I feel like this that's, time the last how- Yeah, I feel like the last couple of years we've been uh, you know, the, the writing was on the wall, uh, to be honest. I mean, like you're kind of in this holding pattern knowing that, yeah, things are going to get better and they've already started, but you're still, uh, you know, you're still kind of limping at this point, just waiting for it to be, to be fully healthy and fully ready to go. And this year's, like you said, it is like the, the pieces are in place, you know, they're yeah. the ones that, that are going to be brought in, have been brought in. Now it's just a matter of like, you know, the, uh, the let them kind of, let them loose, you know, open the gates yep. and let them see how they, how they perform. And that's, uh, you know, whether or not the win loss record is better this year than it was the last two years. I think you're actually finally in a position to find out, you know, uh, what it is that's here. And, and that's exciting. That's extremely exciting on my end for sure. And I think the part of that appeal too is, uh, for a Reds fan is to see these guys and to, uh, uh, you know, the term live and die with the team. I think it's going to be a live and die type season where, um, a lot of people are going to be, a lot of fans are going to watch these kids play and be like, ah, why did he do that? Or why did he do this? But then go crazy when, you know, they get a, you know, a key hit or, a, a get a couple guys out in a key situation, because I, I don't know what, I, I think it's, you're more invested in these young kids, I think, maybe, than uh, yeah. established yeah. stars. Do you, so, underdogs almost. And just kind of going on that same point, I mean, do you kind of expect the dynamic of the team to be a little bit different this year than the past couple of years? Because you have less of those veteran guys, like, you know, the same clubhouse presence that they've had, you know, with Brandon Phillips gone and Jay Bruce gone, you know, are you expecting this to kind of we can kind of see the personalities of this new crop kind of go forth and, and see, see what we have here. 100%. Yes. I think we started to see it last year when you had guys like Scott Shebler and Adam Duvall and Billy Hamilton start to really blossom as, uh, as not only just players, but as Mm -hmm. guys who started becoming more comfortable on the team. And that was fun. I, I enjoyed seeing that. And, I'm super excited about seeing that evolve this year. I've already heard reports that Billy is just um, already becoming a uh, almost like a clubhouse leader. And who would have thought, you know, Billy Hamilton. Yeah. You know, that yeah. It wasn't long ago that Billy, nobody knew Billy's name. And now he's, you know, really, and he's such got, he's got a, such a great personality that now I think as he starts, and just using him as an example, when you have guys like that who, are allowed to be themselves now and without fear of, you know, hey, rookie, keep it down over there. Right. Not saying that that happened, but, you know, guys, you know, guys do try to keep to themselves and best be seen and not heard when they're younger. And I think as these guys start to grow and this becomes their team, I think that's fun to see, fun to watch. Yeah. And I, I think we, I know I easily forget until I just kind of racked my brain a minute to go back through it. But like so much of the, the fun of watching like the last, you know, quote unquote era of Cincinnati Reds baseball was, uh, you know, I remember driving up on a uh, midweek game to go watch Jay Bruce's first game and he goes three for three with two walks and slaps <laughs> a, a double down the left field line. Um, yeah. 
you know, I, I remember Todd Frazier when he finally got the chance to call get called up and play in mm-hmm. 2012, uh, which coincided with, I guess, uh, I'm drawing a blank when Votto got hurt and he finally got yeah. a chance to play every day and had a fantastic run through the summer um, mm-hmm. in his first big taste. And, uh, you know, we forget that there were uh, other young players that have now been traded away. But when they first came up, we had that ability to kind of discover them at the big league level. Yeah. And I think we have ample opportunities for that to happen this year. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot of it. I mean, heck, you brought up Billy Hamilton. His his cup of coffee in 2014 was some of the most exciting baseball uh, right. I've watched in a long time. And so, yeah, I think we're, we're set to see uh, plenty of that this year for sure. Yeah, I think that you're going to see a lot of kids out there that are going to follow this team are going to uh, – that used to have those Phillips and Bruce jerseys and even the Votto jerseys. They're going to start finding some new favorite players, I think, out of this, this rich crop of players and – to me, that's just that's what it's all about. You know, that's the rewarding part to see a, a guy like Billy Hamilton, if we're going to use him as an example, come in, uh, start to establish himself, and then start to you know take the steps of becoming a a superstar. And that's again, that's just right. Fun. Well, I think that makes it more fun to come down to the ballpark too, right? I mean, sure. you know, I have always like I remember just the same vein as uh, what Wick was talking about where, you know, you, you're there to watch these young guys, you know, debut and have, you know, do things that you're not accustomed to seeing. And when you have the same core of players for, you know, five, six years, you, you kind of lose that, that incentive to, you know, I, Oh, I'll, I'll come to the ballpark, but I know exactly what I'm getting. And it's a little bit, I think it, it's almost a little bit more exciting to go to the ballpark and say, I, I have no idea what to expect from these guys. And that's, that makes it more fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and you, you were, uh, you mentioned Scott Shebler. I, I know that uh, he was on your leg of the Reds caravan this year. How, how was that experience uh, getting to know him a little bit? And uh, that the, the crop of uh, guys that you talk to in general. Yeah, it, Scott was great. He was super good on the caravan. He was excited to be there, which is, you know, just yeah. refreshing to have uh, a, a guy on the major league team who's uh, legitimately excited to go out and see the fans in January when, you know, he very well could be um, at home working out and doing his thing. But he wanted to be with us, and that was fun. And he's he's such a sweet guy. Um and he, he's, in my mind, he's he's another guy that who's easy to root for out of this crop of young guys. But the thing about Scott that I was really, really happy about, we also had Dimitri Young on our leg of the caravan. Uh, you guys obviously know who Dimitri Young is, and I know a lot of your listeners oh, yeah. do as well. An established uh, two-time Major League All-Star. He could roll out of bed and get a base hit. Scott yeah, Shebler yeah. was hanging on every word that Dimitri had to say while we were on the bus. That's awesome. Um, and I yeah. talked to Dimitri about that and I said, so, you know, give me your honest take. Um, Cause we also had Blake Trahan and I can talk about him in a little while. We had those two guys on the bus, Shebler and Trahan and Dimitri. And they were in the back of the bus just chatting um, about baseball. And I asked Dimitri, I said, how are these guys like, what do you think? What, what's your, uh, what's your gut telling you about these guys? Are they, are they paying attention? Are they 
you know, showing your respect, they respect mm-hmm. the game, you know, all that stuff, just to, just to gauge what was going on back there. And Dimitri said they were both tip-top A1, um, asking questions, wanting to know more about this and that, and I thought that was great. I think anytime young players like that, even if you are at the big league level, um, I think when you use your resources that are presented to you in a positive mm-hmm. way, man, that just, it was, it was fun. And it was, uh, it, 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 I had a newfound respect for Scott Shebler for the way he and Dimitri got on, uh, on the caravan. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only thing, the only uh, possible concern I have with Scott Shebler right now is how many mouth guards he's going to chew his way through <laughs> the season. Uh, that's that I, I can only imagine what the uh, the clubhouse has to deal with, right. making sure they got backups for him on that one. But no, Shebler too. I feel like we've 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 not mentioned him as much as we mm-hmm. probably should, given the fact that he's you know got the inside track to be the starting right fielder yeah. and right in the middle of the order. And uh, another one of those guys who really really took the opportunity that was presented for him last year uh, once he called goes called back up after Bruce was dealt and really played quite well. I mean, he was an oh, anchor if, in that lineup. Yeah. If, if you look at his numbers, and I, I implore the, your listeners to check out Scott Shebler's numbers uh, once he got called up, um, specifically when Jay Bruce got dealt. And I know it might not be a large, satisfying sample size for some, but if you look at his numbers from the point he came up until the end of the season, they're quite eye-popping. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't just the sample; it was the consistency too. Like he knew he was going to be playing every day, and uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I've never been an athlete on this level, but I did actually play sports through college. And and when you finally get that opportunity to know that you're not just going to be the guy sitting on the bottom of the bench every day and trying to think of what to talk about, uh, <laughs> it changes your mindset a, a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was really really cool to see a guy who who obviously was you know was was well prepared for that opportunity just jump at it and run. Yeah, I think that 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 made a lot of difference in his the end of his season was trying to figure out, you know, actually having that secure spot and, you know, not being the new guy in the clubhouse and not being, you know, a guy who's going to pinch hit once or twice a week. Like, mm-hmm. yep, that's that's huge. Yeah, yeah. and th- there there are definitely uh, worse guys to get hitting advice from than Demetri Young for sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is his is his name uh pronounced Blake Trahan? That's that's yeah. a that's a new pronunciation for, for us. Yeah. Man. See this was <laughs> he, he played a lot of uh Cactus League games last year, if you yeah. remember, and he uh he hit. And you know, he's not a uh he's a minor league guy, but he uh he was a minor league extra for I want to say thirteen games in Cactus League, which is a lot. Yeah. If you're not a uh, mm-hmm. if you're not a uh invitee. And the guy hit and he uh he had a after a slow start to the minor league season, he ended up having a really fantastic season. Um, but in spring training, I asked him, I said, you know, is it Trahan or Trahan? How do you, how do you pronounce it? And he said, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> but but he, the thing with him is he's from Louisiana. So he has that, he has that, oh, Louisiana yeah. he's got that Cajun accent. Yeah. He, said, he told me on the caravan, because he told me last year it was Trahan, and I thought I heard that right, Trahan. And so right. Trahan, and I just I double checked with him on the caravan, and then he he was saying like, well, my grandpa used to he used to say it was Trahan, you know, and he, he did it in <laughs> such a I'm not doing right, any right. justice here, but he pronounced it in such a Cajun kind of accent that, that it actually it sounded he sold it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So I think we're going to stick with Trahan, but he might yeah. even, I don't even think he cares. <laughs> yeah, it, that's always one fun thing for us, like this time of year, is actually kind of hearing some of these minor league names pronounced. It's, it's pointless as it sounds, I'm sure. Like, to hear Marty or somebody try and say, you know, Zach Vinci's name. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, that, I think that threw a lot of people off guard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, ah, I never would have guessed that. That's it's funny. like uh my when my grandpa was still alive he he couldn't hear very well so he only read the names in the paper he, he followed the yeah. reds through the newspaper so like the hear him try to pronounce edwin Encarnacion was you know like <laughs> who are you talking about again but you know it's 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 definitely different when you hear a pronunciation and it surprises you if you're not used to if you didn't yeah. think that's how it was. For yeah. sure, I, I, I know every time I, I, I pull up the audio broadcast for all these games, I'm specifically tuned in for like innings five through nine. Uh, and I've, got, I've, I've got my farmer's only goggles on trying to, 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 to remember these names so we can you know find things that rhyme and all the quirky nicknames we try to come up with because it's, it's so funny. We think we've got a great one until we find out that the last name is pronounced completely differently than what we're thinking yeah. it is and it makes no sense anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's great. So, uh, so speaking of the minor league guys, I know that you have the the media guide is finished. Um, is there is there anybody that you know through your research with that that you kind of looked at and was kind of taken aback by that was surprising? Like, hey, this this guy was a lot better than we thought, or you know, under the radar kind of guy. Yeah, there, there are a few guys. Point to? Yeah, there are a few guys actually. Like, um, I think. We just mentioned one, Blake Trahan, is yeah. a guy for for your listeners to definitely keep an eye on. He's one of those guys too. I think um, Cincinnati fans specifically will really like because he plays, you know, like Ryan Friel um, right. or Salo, or he's one of those scrappy guys that um, really just wears it out out there. And it, he's he's a hustler. He he can hit. He plays middle infield. Um, he's he's going to be a guy that I think will be in the big leagues at some point. He's a he's a, he's a double flap helmet guy too, isn't he? Is he that? I don't know. I, th- I, I, I think he, I, I think you have to be a double flap guy in the minors, right? I, I, I think he was in the, uh, uh, on the one broadcast over the weekend where I was trying to figure out who it was, and I think he was double flapped on first base. So, uh, <laughs> which is always a plus in my book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another guy that I think you guys will. Um, Especially if you look at his his numbers from last year, is a right-handed pitcher named Jimmy Herget. He's uh, currently oh, yeah. a non he's currently a non-roster invitee. Um, had an unbelievable season uh, in Daytona last year, which is the the high A affiliate of the Reds. Uh, yeah. He's a guy. He won't turn twenty four until September. Um, he's he's a, another guy that. The Reds are secretly very high on um, uh, Evan Shackelford is another guy that uh, yeah. I know he kind of he, uh, he took a loss in the first in the Cactus League opener, but he's a guy you guys should uh, keep your eye on as well. He had some good numbers combined in Pensacola and Louisville. Um, some of the, a lot of these non roster. If you just go through the list of the non roster guys, that's pretty much my list. Uh, right. Give or take, right. Uh, a few other guys, but I, I really like Tyler Malley, who was the Reds minor league pitcher of the year uh, two years ago. Uh, he's a guy that uh, seems to kind of get lost in the shuffle when folks talk about the the Reds uh, 
deep pitching uh, crop. Uh, I really like him, Tyler Malley. Um, and then, you know, there are other guys that uh, we'll have to just wait and see. Uh, you know, everybody knows the Nick Senzels and the, the, the Taylor Trammells, but um, it's, it's those guys that you, you really are kind of counting on becoming something. But it's uh, uh, the guys that you really should keep an eye on are the guys that uh, are kind of like the extra players added in a trade. Right, uh, and those are guys that, like a Kevin Shackelford, who was that you really want to see. Um, that's where the Reds uh, baseball operations staff has to be better than the other team or uh, the other right. teams in um, doing their due diligence and uh, taking a flyer on some of these guys. And um, a lot of times it doesn't work out, but uh, you know, um, a lot of times. It, these guys will creep up on you. And a guy like Kevin Shackelford is, uh, you know, he's a guy who's 6'5", 210. Uh, he's, he's, he's 27. He'll be 28 in April. That's, uh, that's not young in baseball terms, especially for a prospect. But if he can come up and make an appearance at this, at the big league level and help out, then you got to consider that a success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's how they landed Adam Duvall and Shevler himself. I mean, they weren't absolutely. The, the centerpieces yeah. of those deals, but those, you know, obviously they've become uh, very focal points of uh, this current Reds rebuild. So yeah, that's that's it's an underrated aspect of, of how these deals go down. I mean, you always gravitate to the, the the top flight names at the top of the trade, but at the same point, yeah. those those guys aren't always just throw-ins. They're they're going to be counted on in some fashion down the road. Yeah. It's it's cool to see the next wave of those. Another guy that I want to mention too, I think I forgot, was a guy named Alejandro Chassin. He's a right-handed, right-handed pitcher who will. He's he's only twenty-three. He's a Venezuelan who um, who had some just really incredible numbers at Double A Pensacola last year. I know he's a guy that you know just going through the media guide and doing his bio that that's, was a name that really kind of stood out. Yeah, I I like the. Your your point about all the non-roster guys being kind of the under-the-radar guys that the organization really likes, that's yeah. a, I think that's a really good point because, right, like if the the team is inviting them to spring training, like they they obviously want to see more of them and that's, that's the I, – I wrote about uh, Jimmy Herget the other day and, yeah, his numbers absolutely jumped off the page at me. Like yeah. 12, 12 Ks per nine last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he broke all of uh, Chris Welsh's records at uh, the University of South Florida. I that too, so. Oh, that's, so that's I, I didn't know yes. that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Welsh mentioned it uh, on on Twitter the other day. So uh, that's that's good company to be in. We'll we'll take uh, we'll take that. Jimmy Hergen any day. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I guess it's also worth worth emphasizing at this point too that with the Reds, since they've brought in so many you know upper minors guys and all these deals and and, and the trades that they've made, that so much of the the forty man roster is it's procedural as much as it is uh, mm-hmm. the the team's preference on who they think is a better prospect. Um, you know, going into the Rule Five draft and having to to pick which guys that they think might get taken by other guys versus guys that they might be higher on but might not get selected. It's 
you know, because you've got a roster spot, obviously it's a valuable thing, but it doesn't necessarily right. mean that, uh, you know, that you're viewed higher than guys like the non-roster players you just mentioned. It just, it's, it, that's how, that's how things shook out for them to maintain as many of the good players as they wanted to without leaving them exposed. And I feel like I, I certainly overlooked that at times as well. Um, but it's obvious that the Reds don't considering they've got such a, a good crop of non-roster guys that they've brought in for this particular spring. Yeah, especially if you look at and, and compared to years past, you know the Reds have, um, I'd say the majority of their non-roster. I think they have twenty four, twenty five non-roster guys. I would say ninety percent, if not more, of them are um, guys who have come up through the Red system. Yeah. Whereas in the past, you would have you know guys, you know the veteran major league guys trying to make the team, kind of like yeah. a Ryan Rayburn this year or a Bronson Arroyo. As in, right. in the past, those guys were the non-roster invitees. Those were the type of guys that took up most of those spots. Now it's it's gone a complete 180 where right. it's more minor league guys that are. I think uh, yeah, I think that's a really interesting direction because we were talking about this uh, on the last podcast or the podcast before it, where you know you would see these reserve infielders in camp, and they would always be you know, a Cesar is Turris or Miguel Cairo or someone, someone like that on the tail end of their career. But this year you've got, and, you know, Arizmendi Alcantara who, mm-hmm. you know, still kind of prospecty, like can still not a finished product and can uh, possibly contribute on the bench at the big league level. Like, I, I think it's, it's interesting to see the Reds kind of shift their philosophy towards bringing these younger guys into camp for spring training and, um, you know, kind of seeing what they've got there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, we would have, you know, admittedly, the Reds would have a whole non-roster uh, team of position players of ours, Mindy Alcantara's, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to now it's you got your Brandon Dixon's, your Tony Renda's, your Zach Bensey's. Right. Uh, you know, those, those kind of guys. Right. Right. It's very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on this week, Jamie. It's a pleasure to actually finally get this taken care of and finally get you uh, on the podcast. Right on. So, yeah. Uh, with that, with that, we're going to wrap up. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Um, you can find us at redreporter.com. Uh, make sure to follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Blog. And uh, go find his uh, Better Off Reds blog on uh, MLB.com. That's one of the one of the top MLB.com blogs pretty much every year, right? You're usually at the top of the leaderboard somewhere. If you say so, so guys, I'm not yeah. here to hey <laughs> toot my own horn. It's uh, it's if if I'm wrong and it's, it's alternative facts, and uh, <laughs> you can uh, go back to your your Spicer comments. So. And, it, yeah. and it's got a new site redesign now too, doesn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. I, that's. That's exciting. Like, like just like the Reds players this year that are new, it's fun to mess around with a new uh, blog platform. You guys, there you know. go. Right on. Yep, exactly. Well, uh, make sure to uh, follow us on all sorts of uh, social media, and we'll uh, talk to you next time.